Oh, somebody praise the Lord of the harvest tonight. Somebody throw your hands in the air and just declare you are. You're my daily bread. You're my living well. Woo. How many of you know whatever you need, he is? I just need about 200 witnesses on Tuesday night. How many of you know whatever you need, he is? He's my doctor. He's my lawyer. He's my heavy burden bearer. He's the great physician. He's my help in a time of trouble. He's a rock that I can run to. He's a strong and mighty tower. He's a wing that I can hide under. Oh, somebody shout, you are tonight. Oh, put your hands together one more time and give God your best praise. High five about eight people on the way to your seat. Tell him he is. He is. Woo. Glory to the name of Jesus. Anybody just thankful to be in the house of the Lord on a Tuesday night? Anybody just glad God made a way? Come on, is there anybody that God just... It's only Tuesday, but God's already opened doors. Anybody else, it's only Tuesday, but you already got a testimony this week? How about this? Anybody here, it's only Tuesday, uh, but you know before the week's over, uh, God's going to do something in your life, and you're going to go ahead and praise him uh, in advance for what you I'm so excited to be in the house of the Lord tonight. So wonderful to be with God's people. And I want to uh, also say what a privilege it is to have all of our guests that are with us in the house of the Lord. One more time, church, would you help me put your hands together? Welcome all of our guests that are here in the house of the Lord with us tonight. So grateful that you joined us to all those that are joining us via our live stream from around the globe tonight. We welcome you. Amen. And so glad you have joined us tonight. And uh, you can be seated for just a few moments. I have a few things I'd like to say tonight. Uh, in the middle of all of the uh, momentum of service on Sunday, uh, I failed to make mention of something that was pretty Important last Thursday, Brother Kendrick and Sister Ashlyn did a thing, and we want to say congratulations tonight to Brother and Sister Alexandre. <laughs> Amen. I'm so proud of these two young people who have been exemplary in their walks with God and in doing things God's way. And the favor of God is upon their life. Amen. And uh, if you don't like that, you just take it up with God. <laughs> Amen. Favor comes from the Lord. Amen. And uh, we're grateful for what God is doing in their life. Somebody say June 24th. June 24th will be the beginning of another series of our Financial Peace University. Amen. Any Financial Peace University alumni in the building tonight? And we want to invite you to make preparation and plan. If you have not yet been through Financial Peace University, you need to uh, enroll, get involved. This is an amazing course with life-changing information. How many of you know the Bible says, uh, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge? And so many times we suffer destruction in our life simply because we did not know. 
And it's one thing to not know something, but it's ignorance to have access to the information and decide you don't want it. <laughs> I think somewhere the Bible says that he that is ignorant be ignorant still or something like that. And uh, I don't know about you, but I want, I want keys to success in my life. I want biblical principles. I want, I want wisdom. I want understanding. Amen? And uh, financial literacy can be a powerful, powerful tool in your life. And uh, we're excited about that. So uh, be looking for information to follow very soon. If you need uh, some, have some questions, you can get with Sister Mandy Jones, our Director of Financial Peace University. Amen. And uh, her and her great team can help you with that. August 20th through the 22nd will be Impact 2020. Ah, uh, yeah, it's going to be on and popping. And we have been fielding phone calls, emails, text messages uh, for the past week from all over the country, uh, from people making plans to be here. It promises to be by far and large the largest gathering we have hosted here, and it's going to be amazing. Make plans to be here You've got enough time right now to put it on your boss's schedule. Walk into work, tell him on August 20th to 22nd, I, I don't think I'm going to be feeling too good. I'm, I'm going to be sick. <laughs> Amen. Do whatever you got to do. Work ahead of time, overtime, under time, side time. And as long as it's not illegal or immoral, do whatever you need to do to be here. It's going to be an amazing time. Somebody say July 16th and 17th. July 16th and 17th is a Thursday and a Friday. It is the Thursday and Friday that would have been occupied by Peak Youth Conference, which has been postponed until next year. But on that Thursday and Friday, uh, the southeast section of the WPF will be hosting a youth conference in Laurel, Mississippi. And uh, this is going to be an exciting time and uh, wanted to get that on your calendars. It was just uh, announced earlier today. It's going to be an amazing time. I believe the speakers are going to be Pastor Ron Tiller on Thursday night, Friday during the day, Nathaniel J. Wilson, and then Friday night will be none other than Nathaniel Urshan. Amen. It's going to be an awesome, awesome time. You want to put that on your calendar. It's going to be great. And uh, excited about what the Lord is doing. Sunday, we baptized Noel in the name of Jesus for the remission of his sins. Came out of the water speaking in tongues. And then tonight, before service ever got started, we baptized John in Jesus' name for the remission of his sins. Amen. And God is doing some great, great things. I want you to grab your Bibles and go with me tonight to the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew. And while you're turning there, I... Uh, have felt for a couple of weeks to begin uh, to teach, preach on this portion of Scripture. And I, I want to borrow a title that I used several weeks ago. Uh, you'll rem remember on a Tuesday night, uh, about a month, month and a half ago, I preached about the blessed life. Anybody remember that? And we dug into Psalm chapter number one. And I want to begin a series tonight. And I'm going to entitle the series, The Blessed Life. Amen. And we are going to spend a few weeks, several weeks, however long it takes to uh, unpack some of what I want to approach tonight. And I am going to be preaching from a a different vignette of Scripture.
than Psalm chapter 1, and I'll explain in just a moment how this ties together. But I want you to go with me to the book of Matthew chapter number 5. And I will be approaching the text throughout this series from an expositional standpoint. Uh, my preaching and teaching will be somewhat uh, expository in nature, perhaps even exegetical at times. And if you don't know what those words mean, just go home and look them up. And uh, I want to dig into the word of the Lord. I believe that there are some powerful, powerful concepts in this segment of Scripture that will enable us to live a blessed life. How many of you want to live a blessed life? I got both hands up on that one. I want to live a blessed life. Amen. Book of Matthew chapter 5, I just want to read the first two verses of Scripture as a launching point tonight, and we'll see how far uh, it takes us this evening. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. Somebody say, up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying. And I simply want to begin teaching, preaching tonight about the blessed life. Would you just turn to about five or six people standing next to you? Tell them I'm all about that blessed life. Come on, tell them I'm all about that blessed life. I like how Brother Donnelly says that I'm not too much into curses. I'm not too much into the cursed life. I'm into living a blessed life. If that's how you feel, clap your hands one more time and give God some praise. Amen. You may be seated. Pull out your notebooks. Pull out your pens as we dive into the word of the Lord tonight. Matthew chapter number 5 is the beginning of one of the most ubiquitously taught portions of Jesus' ministry. Most of you have probably heard of what the Bible calls the Sermon on the Mount. It is a portion of Scripture that has received a lot of attention and is frequently used in sermon uh, context. It is a powerful portion of the Word of the Lord in which Jesus invests into his disciples and divests into them some powerful, powerful truths. The Sermon on the Mount is encapsulated in three chapters, Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter number 7. For the purpose of this series and what I feel like the Lord wants to speak to us, we will not be covering everything under the auspices of the Sermon on the Mount, but we will be looking very closely at this first section of chapter number five. Chapter number five begins and says that Jesus sees the multitudes and he goes up into a mountain. I want to start right here because this is pow a powerful preface to all of the, everything that I'm going to preach and teach. Jesus is surrounded by a multitude. And if you study the ministry of Jesus, you will often find that he purposely placed himself in, within reach of multitudes frequently. He would walk into a city and seemingly meander through the streets and the roads while multitudes gathered unto him. He frequently would go to the multitudes. We find him many times sitting in a place where multitudes would come to him. 
But in this particular section of Scripture, the Bible says that when Jesus sees the multitude, he, he does not stay and uh, accommodate their gathering, but instead he departs from the multitude. And the Bible says that he goes up into a mountain. He separates himself, if you will, from the multitude. He, he leaves the gathering of people. And the geography here is interesting because he goes to an elevated place. The Bible says up into a mountain. I don't know how many of you have ever been up into a mountain before. Some of us Floridians uh, don't know what a mountain is. And uh, sometimes you go to other states and you see hills and think those are mountains. I grew up in the state of Colorado that is, uh, has multiple mountain ranges that go through it. And it is home of many of what they call the 14er, the 14,000 foot plus mountains. And I know what a mountain looks like. And how many of you have ever hiked in, up into a mountain before, ever walked up? And we got a few of y'all been, been outside of Florida and, and know what a mountain is like. And, and uh, if you have ever hiked up into a mountain, you know that it is not an easy task. Especially if you're not as fit as I am and uh, in shape like I am. Some of y'all are laughing, but round is a shape. I'm in shape, just not the one I want to be in. But if you have ever tried to, to get up into a, you, you don't accidentally go up a mountain. You don't just walk around and all of a sudden you look up and, hey, look, I'm up here in the mountain. If you go up into a mountain, there is going to be some intentionality about it. And you're going to be willing to inconvenience yourself. There's going to be some effort. There's going to be uh, some expenditure of effort and energy and calories. And, and, and more than likely, if the mountain's very big, at some point you're going to second guess your decision about going up the mountain. At some point, you'll probably consider whether or not you have gone up into the mountain far enough. Okay, this is good. I, I saw it. I, I could see the rest uh, from here. It's time to go down now. But if you're going to go up into uh, a mountain, you are going to be intentional. It's going to require some sacrifice. There's going to be, you You got to want to go uh, up into the mountain if you're going to go up in to a mountain. And so Jesus leaves the crowd that is down uh, in the, the plains uh, and he goes up into uh, a mountain. He separates uh, himself from the crowd. Uh, why? Because not everybody uh, is willing to follow God uh, into a mountain place. Not everybody is willing uh, to put forth the effort and the, there are too many casual uh, Christians uh, who their experience with God uh, is always on a flat level. Uh, uh, God is good uh, as long as it's easy to access. Uh, God is a good thing uh, as long as it doesn't inconvenience me. Uh, my walk with God is important to me uh, as long as it doesn't and cost me anything. Uh, as long as uh, as long as Jesus uh, is passing by, uh, then I'll be part of the crowd. Uh, but but Jesus going into the mountain, I I think I'll just wait here uh, until he gets back. I think I'll just uh, hang out right here until Jesus uh, comes back. He leaves uh, the crowd on the ground uh, because not everybody uh, is willing to follow God. Uh, 
into the mountain. I don't have time to get into a theological dissertation concerning the importance and significance of mountains, but Moses goes to the top of a mountain to receive the Ten Commandments, and the glory of God visits him there. It is on top of a mountain that we see Jesus take the disciples, and there is the transfiguration. There is something powerful about a mountain experience, but it requires people who are willing to leave a comfort zone, that are hungry enough for their experience with God, that says, God, I'll follow you even when it's not convenient. I'll seek after you even when it takes work, even when it takes sacrifice, even when it's uncomfortable, even when, oh, come on, somebody, God is looking for people that will follow him into the mountain place. God, I'm ready to go uh, into the mountain. You can tell the difference uh, between the crowd uh, and the mountain climbers in a church service uh, because the crowd uh, will just sit back relaxed the entire time. Uh, but the people going up the mountain uh, are engaged uh, with what God is doing uh, in the service. I didn't come uh, to sit on a pew uh, for 90 minutes uh, and enjoy the music uh, and enjoy the preaching. Uh, I didn't come for the fish and the loaves. I came to follow after a moving of God. I came to follow after wherever the wind blows, however the spirit is moving. I did not come to sit. I did not come to relax. But I came to follow the presence and the moving of God. <laughs> You'll notice in the text that it was only the disciples who followed Jesus up into the mountain. The whole crowd wasn't as interested as the disciples were. Not everybody that's in the crowd is a disciple. Oh, I know I'm going to get in trouble here. N not everybody that shows up on the Sunday morning crowd shows up at prayer meetings on Thursday. It's getting quiet in here. Not everybody that shows up uh, uh, as part of the crowd on, on Sunday mornings uh, is, is at Bible study uh, on the midweek service uh, to get see what the Lord is doing uh, in the mountains. There's a distinction, and, and, and Jesus leaves the crowd. And the scripture says uh, that when he gets uh, into the mountain uh, and he was set, the disciples came up uh, unto him. There were some people that said, well, if that's where he's going, then we got to do whatever we have to do to get there with him. Lord, if you're going into the mountaintop, uh, don't go there without me. God, if you got something for us uh, in the mountaintop, uh, don't leave me down here. Uh, I may have to say goodbye uh, to some comfortability. Uh, I may have to be inconvenienced uh, every now and then. Uh, it might get difficult along the way, uh, but I can't afford to miss uh, one thing uh, that God has uh, for me. Lord, we've seen you go uh, into the mountain, Jesus, uh, and we know there are special things things that happen in the mountain. When Jesus is set, the disciples come unto him. You see, this is expository preaching. We are unfolding the scripture little by little. You didn't even know there was so much preaching in that one sentence. I've got to continue. He, he set and the disciples came unto to him. And verse number two says that when they came to him in the mountain, then he opened his mouth. 
and taught them. There are some things that God will not release except for on the mountaintop. There are some things, some words, some impartation that God has reserved for the mountaintop. There are some things, can I just tell you, that there are some things God has in store for you that he will not release to you in a comfort zone, that he will not release to you on the ground, that he will not release to you where you are, but they are only activated when you are willing to make uh, the ascent, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Uh, when you're willing to make the ascension uh, out of the comfort zone, uh, out of normalcy, uh, out of my patterns, uh, when I get hungry enough for Him, uh, when I get thirsty enough for Him, uh, when I become desperate uh, enough for Him uh, that I climb the mountain, uh, there are some revelations uh, and some things uh, that when you you get there. God said, now I'll speak to you. Now I'll instruct you. I couldn't give this to you on the ground because uh, your posture wasn't ready to receive it. I couldn't give this to you down there uh, because your spirit uh, wasn't ready for it. Uh, the fact that you climbed the mountain uh, tells me that you're serious uh, about what I'm going to say. Uh, the fact that you climbed the mountain uh, tells me uh, that you're hungry uh, for what I have to say. I'm not interested in giving this word uh, to the casual seeker. I'm not interested in giving this word uh, to the entire multitude. Uh, I'm looking for somebody uh, that will follow me into a mountain place. I just wonder tonight if there's any mountain climbers uh, in the building uh, that showed up on a Tuesday night uh, and said, I don't care how hard I work today. Uh, I don't care what's happened in my life. Uh, I know the most important thing uh, is on top of the mountain. Uh, Lord, help me to lift myself uh, up out of my life. Uh, Lord, help me to transcend uh, the activity of my day. Uh, God, help me to lift up uh, out of the dilemmas that I'm facing. Uh, God, help me to rise above uh, all of the distractions uh, that are surrounding me. Why? Uh, because I've got to get uh, into the mountain place. Uh, I've got to hear your voice. Uh, you've got to, I wonder if I'm preaching to anybody right now uh, that just says, God, uh, I've got to hear from you. Uh, God, I've got to have uh, whatever you've prepared for me. Like God sometimes wants to know, are you willing to let go of what you have to receive what I have for you? And so, so it is with this context that we understand the disciples come up to the mountain. And when they arrive... Jesus is waiting on them. The Bible says that when they get to where he is, he opens his mouth. Oh, that tells me that the entire journey up the mountain, he didn't say anything. That's why people get discouraged sometimes climbing mountains. Because sometimes God is silent uh, and he just wants to know if you can follow him uh, even when you don't understand. Uh, even when... You see, I see in my mind's eye, uh, I see uh, old Abraham uh, with his son. Uh, and God said, I need you to take him up on the mountain uh, that I'll tell you of. Uh, he's got so many unanswered questions. Uh, and his boy is with him. Uh, and his boy is asking him, uh, Dad, I see the fire. Uh, I see the wood. Uh, but where's the sacrifice? I don't have any answers. Uh, God's not talking to me right now. Uh, but whatever I heard last from God uh, is all I need uh, to follow him 
climb all the way uh, up the mountain. You see, we get discouraged uh, when we start climbing the mountain uh, and it seems like there's no voice, uh, no word from God. Uh, hear me, somebody. Uh, God's waiting for you to get uh, to the top of the mountain. Uh, when you follow his uh, instructions uh, and your hunger uh, brings you to that place, uh, then he'll open his mouth uh, and speak to you. Got to the top of the mountain. I got to keep on. I can't preach for two hours on one verse. When they get to the top of the mountain, Jesus opens his mouth and he begins to teach them. And he begins a monologue with a unique pattern of information for several verses he begins to describe to him to them what has become known colloquially by the church world as the B attitudes perhaps you've heard that term before the B attitudes if you were looking at that phonetically and how it is spelled it would be the letter B, the word attitudes. The letter B standing for the word blessed. Because seemingly he is going through a list of attitudes, as it were, that are associated with being blessed. Therefore, they are called the B attitudes. However, I'd like to reframe the way that we think about the Beatitudes tonight for just a moment. And I want you to think about it instead of the letter B, I want you to think about the word B-E. As in existence. Because the Beatitudes are not so much about the blessing as they are about the person's character. And so the word B-E speaks of the existentiality of who we are. And instead of the word attitudes, anybody can have an attitude temporarily. Anybody can fake happiness for a minute. But to be happy... So instead of attitudes, I would call them characteristics. The word characteristics speaks to character. And character speaks to the constituency of who you are. They are a list of characteristics. And throughout this conversation, there are nine things that Jesus says, blessed are they which. He goes through nine different things. Blessed are they. Can we turn those words around tonight to help our understanding in modern English? Instead of blessed are they, how about they are blessed? <laughs> Who are they? Inquiring minds want to know. Because whoever they are, I want to be. They are blessed. Who? Point me in their direction. Because I want to know how to be blessed. I just need about 10 people in the building that feel that way. They are blessed. Count me in that number. God, God's going to bless somebody. Uh, I want to be part of that crowd. Uh, if they're going to be blessed, uh, then let me be part uh, of they that are blessed. And so he begins to unfold this revelation in the mountain. And as students of God's word, if we want to live a blessed life, hence the title, The Blessed Life, it would be important for us to understand the importance of each of these nine 
characteristics that God said, they are blessed. They are blessed. They are blessed. Nine times, they are blessed. And he begins in verse number three and says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, to be poor means to lack something. To be poor, you can be poor with money. It means I ain't got none. <laughs> I don't tell people I'm poor ever or broke. I tell them I'm in between blessings. But poverty is not just relegated to finance. You can be poor in friendships, meaning I don't have any. There's a lot of things you can be poor in. And if you study the context of the scripture and you, and if we have the time to exegete the text and go into the original language and break it all down, but I don't have another 20 minutes to do that tonight, you would see that this phrase, the poor in spirit, in many transliterations, it simply says they that know they are in need of God. Blessed are they that know they are in need of God. Everybody is in need of God, but not everybody knows that they are in need of God. And Jesus said, I've got a revelation for you to understand. If you want to be blessed, one of the ways that you're going to be blessed is when you understand that you are poor in spirit, that you need God. I just need a few amens in the building. I know you've had the Holy Ghost uh, for 10 years, uh, but let me tell you something tonight. Uh, you uh, need uh, God. Uh, I know you've been blessed with a good job uh, and God's taken, but you uh, need uh, God. Uh, I know your family is doing all right, uh, but let me remind you tonight uh, that you uh, need uh, God. Uh, I know, I know you think it's your own strength. Uh, I know you think it's your own uh, intelligence. I, I know you think it's your own uh, ingenuity, but blessed uh, are the poor uh, in spirit. Uh, God said those people uh, that walk around uh, and they understand uh, that if I don't have God, uh, I don't have uh, anything. Uh, those are the people uh, that are blessed. Uh, there's a blessing uh, in knowing uh, that without him uh, I'm nothing. Uh, there's a blessing uh, in knowing uh, that without God uh, my life would fall apart. Uh, there's a blessing. Blessed uh, are the poor uh, in spirit. Uh, I've got that testimony tonight uh, that I need him. Uh, I need him more today uh, than I needed him uh, almost 30 years ago uh, when I was baptized in Jesus' name uh, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, I need him more now uh, than I've ever needed him before. Uh, the longer I live, uh, the greater I realize uh, my need for God. I know it's simple tonight, uh, and some of us uh, think it's too easy uh, of preaching, uh, but there is a revelation. Uh, you won't understand it uh, if you're in the field, uh, but if you're up on the mountaintop, uh, the words coming from his mouth uh, are revelation. Uh, blessed uh, are the poor uh, in spirit. Uh, God said, I want some people uh, that are needy, uh, that need me, uh, that know they got to have me. Uh, that know without me why uh, because that revelation uh, will cause you to pray uh, that revelation hear me somebody uh, will cause you to repent uh, that revelation uh, will cause you to seek uh, his face 
He said, I didn't come for those that are in, in no need of a physician. Jesus said, I didn't come for those that don't feel like they have a need. I came for the broken. I came for the depressed. I came for the vulnerable. I came for, come on, blessed are the poor in spirit. I'm preaching to somebody right now. If there's something in your walk with God that you need to hang on to, it is the understanding that without God, you are nothing. I thought there'd be a few more praises in the building than that uh, right there. <laughs> You see, I don't even deserve to be in this house right now. I know you got your name on your pew, but I don't even deserve to be in the house of the Lord. If you only knew what God knows about me, I don't even belong here. But God, who is rich in mercy, but God picked me up and he washed me. and He You may not need him, but I declare to you, I need him. I should have died when I was a baby boy, but I need God. I should have never made it into my teenage years. I needed God. I should never have been able to have a healthy marriage. I need God. I should never be able to be a father. I need God. So many times in Scripture, God allowed his people to get into trouble just to remind them that you're not doing this without me. Gideon, I'm going to take your army away from you. Why? Lest they vaunt themselves and say it was my hand. There's sometimes God lets subtraction come to your life just to serve a reminder to you that you are where you are because of him, that you have what you have because of him. There's times God will let all hell break loose in your life just to remind you the enemy could have killed you a long time time ago, but it was my blood that covered you. It was my hand that kept you. It was my grace that, come on somebody, I need him. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that never forget what God's done for them. Blessed are they who understand every day of my life that I'm only here by the grace of God. He was telling his disciples, you're going to walk in power and demonstration of the Spirit. I'm going to do mighty things through you. But don't you ever forget that it's my hand, that it's my power. That it's my anointing. That it's my favor. If I lift my hand off of you, you'll wreck yourself. If I lift myself from you, you'll die in the wilderness. If I withdraw myself from you, you don't stand a chance. Blessed are the poor in spirit. John chapter 15 Verse number five, Jesus says something so profound. He said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. And at the end of the verse, he said, and without me, ye can do nothing. <laughs> without me, 
You can't do anything. Without me, you're just a mess up. Without me, you're a failure. Without me, you're a liar. Without me, you're an adulterer. Without me, you're a fornicator. Without me, you're a deceiver. Without me, come on. Without me, ye can do nothing. Don't you ever get it twisted and think it's by your own power, that it's by your own ability, that it's by your own money, that it's by your family. Don't you ever get it twisted. I am the vine. You are the branches. And without me, ye can do nothing. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor. The poor in spirit know how to say, God, without you, I can do nothing. Without you, I can make it through my day. Without you, I can make it through life. Without you, blessed are the poor in spirit. It's part of their character. They, come, they walk in a way every day of their life. That's why I can't afford to get prideful. You don't understand. I, you, you might be good enough uh, to fake some people out, uh, but without God, uh, I ain't fooling nobody, baby. Uh, when you see me, uh, you're just looking at the grace of God. Uh, in me uh, dwelleth no uh, good uh, thing. Uh, if there's any good in me, uh, to God uh, be the glory uh, for the things uh, that he has done. Uh, oh, I wish somebody right now uh, would just lift your hands in this sanctuary. Without God, I can do nothing. Without God, I am nothing. Come on, somebody. Come on, God's brought you into the mountaintop because he wants you to live a blessed life. And a blessed life starts with the revelation that without God, we are nothing. Hear me, Rock Church. Without God, we're no different than a crowd at a football game. Without God, we're no different than people at a music concert. The only difference is God. Oh, blessed are the poor in spirit. I can't make it without you, God. Don't leave me by myself, Jesus. Oh, don't, God, don't let go of the steering wheel. You know what I'll do to the car. Lord, don't take your hand off me. You already know, well, I've got to have you, Jesus. Look at Psalm 124. Put that up there for me, Psalm 124, the entire chapter. The psalmist speaks and says, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, now may Israel say that if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when men rose up against us. Then they had swallowed us up quick uh, when their wrath was kindled uh, against us. Uh, then the waters uh, had overwhelmed us uh, and the stream uh, had gone over our soul. He's not talking about physical water. Uh, he's dealing with implications of the spiritual, uh, the soulful man. Uh, and then he says, uh, then the proud waters uh, had gone over our soul. Uh, blessed be uh, the Lord uh, who hath not given us as prey to their teeth. Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. And the snare is broken and we are escaped if it had not been for the Lord. That ought to be your testimony every day of your life. If it had not been for the Lord. Tell me how you broke free. 
Tell me how smart you are. Tell me how you, if it had not been for the Lord. If it had, I just need somebody in the building that can remember the cage that God opened and let you out of. I wonder if there's anybody that can remember the deep flood of waters that was over your head when a loving hand reached down and picked you up. If it had not been for the Lord. Blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor. That's what caused the old timers to open their mouth in church and sing, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. Oh, you might not need it, but I do. Bless me now, my Savior. I come. What makes you come to him? I'm poor in spirit. I come. What makes you come to him? Because without him, I can't do anything. I come to, to thee. Come on, somebody. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That's why the writer of Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 6, says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Hmm. And lean not to your own understanding. Sometimes we got to get a fresh revelation that our understanding is frail at best. My wisdom, my understanding, my intellect is not enough to support me. My thinking, my intelligence, my education, my thought, it's not enough to sustain me. Don't lean on your own understanding. He said, don't put your weight on it. Don't let it be the thing that supports you. You're not standing because of the power of your understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him. I need thee, Jesus. In all your ways, acknowledge him. I can't do it without you, God. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he shall direct Can't even walk down the road without you holding my hand, God. I'll take a wrong turn. I can't do it, God. I can't, I can't even walk down the path, Lord, uh, without you telling me. Uh, that's why people uh, that continuously make decisions uh, without prayer uh, and without the hand and the voice of God involved uh, are headed down wrong paths, uh, wrong directions. Uh, why? Because blessed are the poor uh, in spirit. There's a blessing uh, in saying, I don't want to make a move uh, without God being involved. Uh, I don't want to take one step uh, without God's hand in it. Uh, Come on, somebody. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That's why the scripture reminds us, says that Proverbs 14, that there is a way that seemeth right unto a man. When our own perception is the only faculty we use to navigate. We head to destruction. There is a way that seemeth right unto it. And that's the deception of it, is that it seems like it's the right way. 
When you use human reasoning, one plus one equals two. This has to be the will of God. This has to be the way of God. Can't you see it? There is a way that seemeth right unto a man. But the ways thereof are the ways of death. God, I can't trust myself with everything I'm doing. God, I, I relinquish my rights and I give them to you. I don't, come on, somebody. I don't belong to myself, God. I belong to you. God, I'm climbing out of the driver's seat and I'm getting in the passenger seat. God, would you take the wheel? God, I need you to speak to me. I need you to tell me which way to come on. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. A good man lets God give him instruction on which way to go. A good man lets God order his steps. A good man doesn't depend on his own understanding, on his own perception. Lord, you order my steps. Why? Because blessed are the poor in the spirit. Scripture goes so far as to tell us in Jeremiah 17 and 5, Cursed is the man that trusteth in man. Blessed are the poor in spirit. I don't want you to need man. I want you to need me. That's why you will never find ultimate fulfillment in human relationships. They're designed to fail at times. They're designed to disappoint you. They're designed to fall short. Why? Because God wants you to know ain't no human being can satisfy you like I can. Ain't no human relationship in the world can give you joy like I can. Come on, somebody. That's why I can live without a husband, but I can't live without my God. Oh, yes, you can. I know the world tells you you can't, that you ain't nothing, that you're coming. The devil is a liar. I can live without a wife, but I can't live without my God. Come on, somebody. I can live without my best friend next to me, but I can't live without my God. Come on, curse it. Be the man that trusteth in man. Come on, somebody. That's why uh, when, when you're not living poor in spirit uh, and you become needy, uh, you'll, make, uh, you'll make terrible judgment calls about relationships. I don't have time to go down that road. You can never have godly relationships from a place of incompleteness. Ooh, I'm into it. I might as well go ahead. The world tells you a good marriage is 50-50. That's why we got men and women marching around saying, if, he, if we're going to have a good marriage, he's going to do this and I'll do that. If he does this, then I, you didn't say if he does, I will. You didn't say if she does, I will. The vows are, I will, I, matter of fact, I do. I do. Try to get you to say it now after five years of marriage. When you go into any relationship incomplete and you have not been made whole by your God, you're looking for people to complete something in you that only God can complete. And they'll never satisfy you. 
and it will create conflict because of unrealistic expectations from them. Whether it's a husband, a wife, or a friend, or a family member, any relationship, you're trying to get them to be what God's supposed to be to you. I like it when my wife comforts me in times of distress. Oh, my widow, widow, baby, woo But you know what? If she doesn't, he's my comforter. Come on, somebody. Where she stops, God keeps on going. Where her ability ends, God keeps on going. And I had that relationship before I ever had this one. A 50-50 relationship is two incomplete people expecting the other person to complete them. Oh, I know it makes good wedding cards, and it's nice that you complete me, but that's poor theology. And it's a bad life to live. When you expect somebody else to complete you, you are in trouble. That's why, ooh, all right, Lord, you said it. That's why I encourage young men and young ladies when you are the most desperate, it's probably the worst time for you to be entertaining the idea. The desperation is symptomatic of incompleteness. Woo. You'll know you're ready when you ain't desperate for it no more. When you've got completeness with God, now you're ready for a healthy relationship. Because a marriage is never 50-50. It's 100-100. I come to the relationship, and I'm the man that God has called me to be. No matter what you do or who you are, I'm bringing all of me and my relationship with God to the table. I don't come to the relationship with my hand out to take. I come with it out to give. Blessed are the poor in spirit. I can make it without a boyfriend, but I can't make it without God. I can make it without a girl. But I can't make it without God. Come on, somebody. God doesn't want you to put human relationships in front of him. And with, I'm hurrying. I'm hurrying. Music come. Give them some hope. I'm getting ready to close. I got three doors on this message. In these beatitudes or these characteristics, God associates each one of them with a blessing. In this particular instance, God says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. And here's the, here's the promise, here's the blessing. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I love that because all you have to do to understand the concept is skip over to chapter 6 where Jesus is still in the middle of his sermon on the mount and he teaches them to pray. And he says to pray like this, our Father which is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven.
you pray and say, God, everything you've got planned for me in the heavenlies, let it come to pass in the earth realm. Every promise, every blessing, every Jeremiah 29, 11 plan, plans to prosper you, plans to give you hope. Uh, plenty. My prayer is, Lord, uh, let it be on earth uh, as it already is uh, in heaven. Uh, and he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, uh, for theirs uh, is the kingdom uh, of heaven. Uh, when they recognize uh, and walk in a revelation uh, that they need me, uh, I'll give them every good promise. I'll give them every good gift from above. They'll live a life that is better than anything they could have planned for themselves. They'll walk in a blessing greater than anything they could have ever worked for. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I wonder if there's anybody in this building that says, God, I want the kingdom of heaven in my life. God, I just want to experience uh, everything that you've planned for me. Are you here tonight? Uh, I wonder if you'd come tonight if, if that's how you feel. God, uh, I just, uh, I don't want to come short uh, of living below uh, the privileges uh, and the promises. Uh, Lord, I want you, I want to acknowledge right now uh, that your ways uh, are higher than my ways. Uh, God, that your thoughts are above uh, my thoughts. Uh, God, I, I thought I had it figured out, but God, uh, I'm poor in spirit. Uh, God, I thought I knew exactly uh, what I was supposed to do, uh, but I'm poor uh, in spirit, God. Uh, and tonight I lift my hands uh, in humble surrenderedness uh, to you. Uh, and I say, Lord, uh, I need you. Uh, you're the vine. Uh, I'm the branches. Uh, and without you, uh, I can't do anything, God. Uh, you're the source of all information. You're the source of uh, of all inspiration, come on, all over the house. I wonder tonight if we could lift our hands in this place. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Is there anybody that would just begin to lift your hands and say, I need you, Jesus. I need you right now. I need you right now in my situation. I need you right now in my life. I need you right now in my family. I need you right now in my job. God, I'm not embarrassed to say that I don't have it all figured out. I don't have it all together. I don't have all my ducks in a row. I'm poor in spirit. Come on. Come on. Come on. Jesus said, come unto me. All ye that labor and are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Lift your hands. Come on, you need a revelation that his strength is going to be perfected in your weakness. If you'll just be poor in spirit, God's going to perfect his strength in your weakness. Come on. Come on, lift up your hands. I know it's a Tuesday night, but I feel the Holy Ghost ministering right now. The Holy Ghost is ministering right now. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. I know you got to work tomorrow, but you need God right now. I know you got to go home to some hard times, but if you'll get in God's presence right now, there's fullness of joy. If you'll get in His presence right now, come on. Come on. To the mountaintop, God. Lord, I'm tired, but I'm coming up the mountain tonight. God, I'm weary, but I'm hungry for you. God, I'm discouraged, but I'm coming up the mountain. I need your touch. I need your voice. I need your direction right now. Come on, lift up your voice, somebody. Lift up your voice. 